right, well, welcome everybody to Supernormal Natural, my one Wednesday a month that I speak. I appreciate you guys coming. And uh, these nights are very, very special for me for a lot of reasons. Uh, I don't exactly know what the Lord is going to do, but I know he's going to do something because that's what he does. And uh, the Lord loves to demonstrate the greatness of who he is. How many of you have not ever been to a Supernormal Natural? Raise your hand. This is your first Supernormal Natural. Come on, raise it up high so I can see how many of you. Oh, only just a few of you? Okay. All right. Well, welcome everybody that hasn't normally been here. Let me set the stage for you real quick, and then we're going to dive into a little bit of a message, and then we're going to have some ministry time. Okay. On a supernormal natural night, it's a term that we've coined because we believe that the supernatural should be normal. We believe that uh, if we call ourselves Christians, we should be doing what Jesus did. And Jesus did a lot of stuff, okay? He did a lot of stuff. And it's important that we understand that Jesus did a lot of things for a purpose. He was on a mission. It's something that I talked about on Sunday, and we'll continue to talk about this Sunday. Jesus was on a mission to advance the kingdom of God, and he did that by opening blind eyes. He did that by stopping up deaf ears. He did that by setting the captives free. This is all Luke 4.18. It was a mission that Jesus was on and anointed for. In fact, that scripture says, it's Jesus quoting Isaiah 61. Uh, in Luke 4.18, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me for a purpose. And you have to understand that God anoints you for a reason and for a purpose, and it's supernatural. It's always supernatural, meaning it's beyond, it's, it's not of this world. It's beyond ourselves without him. It's, it's something we can only do with him. So notice the first thing is the Holy Spirit is upon me. And you have to know that when you're born again, God gives you every benefit that, that he has in his hand. And there are so many scriptures that back that up. However, biblically, we are commanded to live upright, to live righteous, and to live with clean hands and a pure heart. Always. Now, if you're not living with clean hands and a pure heart, the Lord's patient, the Lord's kind, and the Lord's merciful. I have been in process for a very long time, and coming out of shortcomings and failures and sin patterns was a process for me. It wasn't something that just happened overnight, okay? And so, so many of you are wanting so desperately to have arrived, and why is it taking so long? And why haven't I overcome certain things? And why aren't I further along spiritually than what I think I should be? Well, you, many of you know my heartbeat on that. That's like standing over a tree that you just planted and shouting at it and say, why aren't you growing faster? <laughs> okay, so, you know, a tree, flowers, gardens, they grow at a particular pace and God loves and cares for you and will grow you at a particular pace we have a responsibility to say yes and get align with what, in line with what he's saying and doing, okay? And so I love talking about all of the incredible things that Jesus did, and I love doing them. But please remember and understand that the Lord puts his spirit in you and comes upon you as an anointing to accomplish a task. And the reason why he does it is because he wants his glory to flood the earth as the waters cover the earth. Now, you need to understand what the word glory means. It's not some by and by pie in the sky. Glory is the manifest image of his nature and character of who he is. So what happens is when God's presence comes and the glory of the Lord is revealed, not just in a sense in the atmosphere, but more importantly in your life, that's how the glory of the Lord is revealed, is through us, because we're his hands and his feet. So we always remember that we have a full-grown Jesus living inside of us. And what we do is we stop living in this world where we're constantly, now I'm talking to those of you that are born again. We stop living in a world where we're constantly waiting for something to come or a door to open. Instead, we go and we become the door yeah. because we have Jesus living inside of us. Does he send his presence to confirm things? Yes. Do I talk to people a lot and they get goosebumps and chills and it's a confirmation from the Lord? Absolutely. Does God's presence and anointing come upon me for tasks and, and purposes? Yes. But every single person here has an anointing. 
And anointing, the word anointing is not so mysterious. It means to be placed and tasked for a position of authority. It means that in the olden days, uh, in the Hebraic times, they would anoint people in positions by anointing them with oil. Well, today, the oil is the Holy Spirit. Now, I might anoint you with some oil every now and then because the Bible talks about praying for the sick with oil and anointing things with oil. But what I want you to really understand, I'm trying to keep this very simple for you, okay? We all want to see the supernatural manifestations of healing, signs and wonders, miracles, busting up some demons. I love all that stuff. But if you don't get the main thing, the main thing, those things are pointless, okay? You have to distinguish the wine from the wineskin. Just because you got a touch and had some wine pour on your life doesn't mean you became a new wineskin. Because the scripture, Jesus said, what happens when you pour new wine into and which means it could happen. So you went to a conference and you got a touch from God. And then what? You experienced the Lord in your car this morning. And then what? You had a great encounter in worship. And then what? How is it transforming you? And what has changed in your life to contain? Because the wineskin has to contain the new wine. Hence, the wineskin must become new. Not just once, but renewed on a daily basis. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be by the... Good job, everybody. Hey, we're getting a church that knows some Bible scripture. Yeah. So I want to shift your thinking to move to a spot where we stop trying to lead people to Jesus and start bringing Jesus to people. And start becoming like Jesus because you are anointed to be his hands and his feet. And in fact, the Bible takes it even further and says, we have the mind. If you can understand the fact that Jesus not only made you his hands and feet, but he gave you his mind, it means that you have the ability to process and think and speak the way that he does. And you have the ability to do it confidently. So the devil works on overtime to accuse you, Revelations 12, 10, to get you out of your position of authority, okay? So there's a word in the Bible, and I'm going to read it to you here in a minute, that's, that's called bewitched. The word bewitched means to throw you out of your position. It means I so bedazzled you not me, let's say it a different way. It means that the devil or psychics or magicians or sorcerers or false belief systems so bedazzled you, it threw you out of position. It got you off track. And many people allow themselves to get off track and they don't even realize it. And so God gives us his word. He gives us fathers. He gives us teachers, pastors, apostles, prophets, to bring us back to the soundness of his word and into a sound mind. The devil works hard to get you into shame and to believe lies. The devil works hard to get you out of your authority, which directly affects your confidence. If anybody here is lacking confidence this evening in who you are and who God is, the devil has worked hard to get you to either believe a lie or to not understand who you are and what you have. So God raises up people like us, not just David Bendette. He raises us all up to walk in confident, positional, and spiritual authority and to be a reflection of him at all times, okay? There's a word in the Bible that I love a lot. It's, it's the word heed. So we talk about they heeded, and the word heeded literally means to draw close and to fully give yourself to and adhere to what you're being taught or being told. It means to entwine yourself to and to fully surrender to a particular thing. And if you look up the word heed in the New Testament, it's everywhere. In a good light and in a bad light. And so it's important 
that we are heeding and giving ourselves to the truth of God's word and who he is and his voice and what he says and that we're fully submitted and surrendered to him at all times, okay? Because when you're not heeded, you're unbridled and you're living life your way, all right? So let's look at this. Acts chapter eight, verse four. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. They went everywhere preaching the word. They went everywhere preaching the word. Now, you can't preach what you don't know. Okay? This is the word logos for word. They had a sound understanding of God's biblical truths. The other day I was sitting with our architect. He's going through a difficult time. He is a very, very good, well, he's a Catholic. And he's been a Catholic his whole life, but never read the Bible and had no idea what it means to be born again. None. Never even heard the concept. Okay? So I said, you don't know what it means to be born again? He said, no. I said, have a seat. And I was able to walk him through the whole gospel. And it was so profound. And I used scripture after scripture after scripture. And I took the scriptures and I made them relevant to now. I brought the scripture into the light of his current circumstance so I could show him how applicable God's word is to whatever it is that you're facing in your life. So it's important that you have an ability to preach the word. And here's the great news. You have access you have access. You have access to, to thousands of different, well, I don't know how many different Bible translations there are. It feels like there's a thousand, but you have access to the Bible. You have access to study notes. You have access to resources easily and freely. And in many countries of this world, having a Bible will get you killed and you can never preach ever, ever. Okay. So become an expert of God's word so that you can Herald, the word preach is an evangelical term, and it's a term that says to herald the good news. I'm like a newspaper. I'm a daily on-time-to-the-minute newspaper. I'm better than the latest update on the website of your favorite news channel. Because at all times, I'm dialed in to herald the promise of God for you right now. The scripture says, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. I believe it's Proverbs 25, 11. I love that word. See if I'm right on that. If it is, pull it up. Such a good scripture. Man, it's, it's an awesome scripture. I think about this scripture a lot because it's a word fitly spoken. A word fitly spoken, which means, hey, I love it when that happens. I don't always get it right, but, you know, these are things that I have learned and given myself to over a long period of time. See, the word, Jesus as the word became flesh. And then the Bible goes on to say that we're living epistles read by all men. Everybody say, I'm a living epistle. I'm a living epistle. So what happens is, is when you become a student of the word, and it doesn't just become a religious thing, but it becomes you, you actually live it. And now when people see you, what do they see? the word in flesh, a living epistle, right? And so the word comes into your heart. He writes his word on your heart. And now what you have taken in, and look, that's why it's so important that you're listening. That's why it's so important that you're here. You may feel like you're not getting it, but I promise you, God's word stands true. I promise you. This has been years in your 25 years, 26 years of adhering to preaching and the gospel. And many times I was falling asleep. I didn't feel like I was paying attention. I was more concerned about my cares of this world. I mean, there's all kinds of things that happen over a long period of time. And you don't always feel like you're just soaking it all in and just get it and you're instantly... But it's like sunlight and water and nourishment on a garden or on a tree. Eventually the word works. Everybody say the word works. So you just be patient with process and allow the Lord to do what he does because he's the one that ultimately allows and causes us to grow and become like him. And so we become heralds of, of 
the word because it's who we are, all right? So preach the word. And the word is the good news of the gospel at all times. I'm going to show you another scripture on that. So back, oh, wait. Like apples of golden settings of silver. Oh, man. Now, I don't really know that I think it's so cool to wear an apple of gold around my neck. <laughs> that might be a little bit weird if I had a big silver chain and a big gold apple. I mean, <laughs> but here's what I want you to do about that scripture. I want you to make this scripture personal. Here's what that scripture says. It's like bells and pomegranates. It's like the best ornate and rare and fine jewelry you could ever ask for. And it's even better. Because the Bible says that wisdom is better than gold and silver. So notice this, a word fitly spoken. By who? By you. A word fitly, of course from the Lord, but a word fitly spoken into your life is like the most rare and beautiful and incredible jewelry. It's ordaining you with his pleasure and his kindness and his life. Now, here's another fun concept about that. We know that 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all scripture is given by inspiration. And the word inspiration means God breathed. We also know that rooted in God's voice and the sound is the word fire. Because the word voice and sound in the Greek in the New Testament is the word phone. It's the exact word for your phone. And rooted in that word, it means to communicate, to hear God's voice and the sound, right? Rooted in that is the word foes. I've taught this for a long time. The word foes means light or firelight. So rooted, so Jesus is the word and he says, I'm the light. So what happens is, is God's word is a spark that ignites the wick of your heart and then the oil of the Holy Spirit burns bright. You're a lamp. Got it? Isn't that cool? Right? It's, so the other thing is, is light doesn't do any good if it's covered up under a basket or a bushel. So no one lights a lamp and then hides it, but rather they put it for all to see, okay? Meaning there's no shame, and now we shine bright before all people, okay? And so the voice and the sound of God speaking into our life lights you up. Now look at it this way. The voice and the sound inside of you, when you speak, it lights other people up. So now it's not just from God to me, it's from me to you. So when I speak, fire comes out of my mouth. That's what I believe anyway. I mean, I, just, I get ate up with this kind of stuff because I know the power and the authority and you speak confidently because I'm actually speaking according to God's word. The Bible says, I believe, therefore I spoke. You can't help. But if you're fully believing and adhering to something, you can't help but speak it. Okay? Now listen, I didn't come with any preconceived plan. I'm going wherever the Holy Spirit's showing me to go. I got a few scriptures, and then we're going to pray. But are you guys okay with this? So this isn't like, you know, Sermon Sunday. Let's pray for a minute. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your presence in this sanctuary. God, I thank you that we have ears to hear and eyes to see. I thank you that, Lord, no distraction, Lord, no lies from the enemy, no accusation will drive us apart or keep us away. Lord, I speak peace to everybody here. I speak peace to the atmosphere. I speak peace to your hearts. The peace of Jesus, the presence of God, and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And I thank you, Lord, that your word stands firm and stands true, and nothing can stop it. Nothing can stop your word, God. And I pray that tonight, anybody that's here that's sick, anybody that's being demonically oppressed, anybody here that feels distant and far would be healed, that they would be set free, and that, Lord, they would come close and present themselves and let you whittle the edges off and make them into their full valued weight. It's my prayer for all of you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Preach the word. Then Philip, verse 5, then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and he preached Christ to them. He preached Christ. He preached Christ. And the multitudes with one accord did what? Now I'm going to show you another heated. This is like the heated showdown. There's people heating two things in this chapter. Okay? So they heated what? The things spoken by Philip. There's the word spoken again. There's power and authority in what you say and what you speak. We're not tails and followers. The church is the standard with the kingdom authority, not the business marketplace, but the church. And I'm not talking about like one building. I'm talking about God's people on earth. His governmental authority, and it says the government will rest upon his Touch your shoulder because you're the body. So he puts his headship on your shoulders. Let me tell you what I'm on a mission to do. I, things are shifting at Rock City Church. Okay, things are shifting. What I'm out to do is to, to shift you guys into cons, from consumer followers to positional authority people that walk confidently and go out into this community and make a change everywhere you go with testimonies and the captives being set free outside of these doors, and then you're going to get them, you're going to them, lead them to Jesus and lead Jesus to them, and then you're going to bring them to Rock City or point them to a church wherever they live in their community. Hopefully we know some. We do know some, but hopefully you know some. Or you're going to bring them back here, and you're going to disciple them. You are going to disciple them. They will sit right next to you in the chair, and you will not just go save them and be the evangelistic hero, but you'll be the disciple teacher. Or you'll bring them in here and bring them to cultivate. You'll, or, you know, our Sunday school discipleship class. Or you'll get them to the men's group. Or you'll bring them on a Wednesday. Or you'll to get them to the, to the Flourish Women's meetings. And all the more things that are about to come. Because a lot more is about to come for the sake and purpose of training and equipping the saints for the work of the ministry and fulfilling the great co Co, here's co. It's vertical and horizontal. It's vertical and horizontal. It's the co go into all the world and preach the good news and make disciples and baptize and teach. They go hand in hand. It's all of the above. It's not one or the other. And guess what? He will co with us. He will... Be with us always unto the end. It's like, go do this, but by the way, guess what? You won't be alone. Fun little story. So here's another, here's another scripture for the, or another meaning for the word heed. Here's an awesome meaning for the word heed. It means to dock the ship. It means to get the ship into port. Think about it. If the ship doesn't heed the lighthouse or the right coordinates or whatever, the pilot boat that comes out to bring it in, it's going to get off track. And those are giant ships. So the ship better heed the instructions to get to the port. Isn't that cool? I love nautical terms like that. Here's another word meaning for the word heed. This is all in your blue letter Bible, by the way. I'm not I'm great because of Jesus, but I learned it by reading my Blue Letter Bible, which is free to every one of you. It means to come upon suddenly. To come upon suddenly. I'm standing with the girl. You heard the story Sunday. We're at Champ Sports. Mark Marquez and I, he's ministering to the other girl that works there. I'm checking out. We have this crazy encounter where we have these commonalities. She grew up where I went to. She went through Hurricane Andrew, right by where I went through Hurricane Andrew. Her dad's born in Corpus. We're in West Virginia. And I'm like, I pay. And I'm like, well, thank you so much for everything. And I'm turning, and she's smiling. And I said, listen, the Lord wants you to know. And she went, it was a suddenly I came upon her suddenly. There was no preemptive 
anything. Like, or there was no forewarning. It wasn't like I led her in. It was the word of the Lord came like a lightning strike and it hit her heart like that. Let me give you another example. You know what the best thing is? Stories. Don't you at some point want to stop talking about it and doing it? Don't you at some point want to stop hearing about it and you become it? So what, tell me what you would do. This is a few nights ago. I am uh, out at the beach by Bob Hall Pier. By the way, the weather and the beach has been epic. If you haven't gone to the beach in the last few days, go. You live in a beautiful place. Take a moment, get up early, and go walk and spend some time with Jesus at the beach. Get your kids, whatever. Let them, I mean, it's been awesome. So we go to the beach. It's in the evening. And it's just me with my two little kids, Zion and Cadence, four and five. And we play in the dunes some, and then we swim, and uh, it's getting dark. And right about probably 15 minutes, there's not very many people around us that, at that time. So right about maybe 15 to 20 minutes before it gets dark, there are a couple of guys that pull up about maybe 40, 50 feet from my car. And there are a couple of young Hispanic guys, shirts off, look like they had just been working construction all day, kind of ripped up jeans, work boots, and they're having a couple of brewskis and pumping up some hip-hop bass out of their car. They, uh, they're pumping up the bass, and they're, they have a little girl that's, I don't know, probably four. And uh, the girl's running around and playing, and these guys are, you know, having some, having a beer or two, or three, or four. And, uh, you know, they are just, the one guy's like really kind of getting involved with his daughter, and I could tell he, they worked all day, and they just had some time with their little girl. And, I mean, they're all tatted up and pumping the bass, hip-hop music. That's my kind of setup. But now I got my little kids with me. But my kids are never going to learn if I don't lead the way and I show them. Now, I don't recommend that y'all just go walk up on a couple of young guys tatted up having brewskis on the beach. I'm not telling you that's what I think you should do unless the Lord tells you to do it. So it's just at like almost nearly dark. And my, it's time to go. So, and they're packing up. And I have been looking over there like I kept looking. I'm looking over there and they have a little girl. And even my little girl says, can I go play with that little girl? I'm like, no, it's getting dark. We got to leave. And so uh, the Lord starts speaking to me about the dad. And I'm seeing him the way the Lord sees him. Okay? I'm getting a download for the dad. And so I said, come on, kids, let's go. And I put towels on them. And I'm torn in this should I or shouldn't I thing. I almost always am. Don't think that I'm just so like overly confident all the time. In all honesty, there's a lot of times where I second guess myself or wonder, should I or shouldn't I? Come on, guys. But you know what? You're never going to learn until you start doing it. At some point, you don't get in a cold pool just one toe at a time. <laughs> That's the worst. Your ankle, your knee, oh, I'm dying, ah! Right? I mean, you just like, just go to the deep end and dive in. You'll get over the initial shock a lot faster, right? And so, uh, so these guys start packing up, and they get in their car. They put the little girl in, in the car. They fire up the car, and I'm walking to my car, and I am like, I have to tell, tell this guy. So I say, come on, Cadence and Sign. Come on, hurry, hurry, come on. And they're backing up. And I start waving, flagging them down like I'm a distressed guy, you know. I'm like flagging them down. Now, I tell you my stories to encourage you to do it. 
That's the only reason. It's not to toot my horn. I'm not out to promote myself. I want to make it so real and every day for you because you're a prophetic generation. And what does a prophetic generation mean? It means people that have a full-grown Jesus living inside of them that are mouthpieces for God. That's about as simple as it gets. And you speak his word and you speak his truth because you live it because it's who you are instead of religious duty. Okay? So I'm flagging the guy, and they're like backing up. They're not even seeing me. And I'm, I get like five feet from the car, wave, and they don't even see me. They're cranking up. The, and I'm like, hey, hey, excuse me, excuse me. And they're cranking up the music. And so they're both looking one way as they back up, which is away from me. And then they both look at me, and I'm standing right in the window. And my little kids got their towels. They're freezing cold. They're wobbling up behind me. And you should have seen the look on their faces. I'm telling you, I wish, I don't really want to get out of camera and go snap. I mean, that's a sure way to get shot, right? I mean, look at your picture. But I tried to describe the faces, the picture of what I see on people's faces. And I'm like, excuse me. And they're like, huh? Yeah. I'm like, hey, bro, Jesus wants you to know. And it was like a deer in headlights. But I'm telling you that story because of the word heated to suddenly come upon. And I have learned more often than not, like Frank, this happens to Frank all the time. This happens to so many of you. You have Jesus in you. The number one thing that will rob your confidence and authority, of course, is sin and a lack of righteousness in your life. It doesn't necessarily move your position because God's merciful. But what it does is it causes us to feel inadequate, inadequate and insufficient. At the same time, God is a God of process, and you're never going to learn if you don't do it. And if I just waited until I, you know, was fully... You're fully righteous in Christ when you're born again and he sees you as perfect, but you're in a process of sanctification, which means God's working out and you name the sin, okay? So there's patience and kindness, not religion that's beating you over the head. You're in process. And many times what I'll say is, look, even in the midst of process, if you think you gotta wait to get it all right to do what God's called you to do, you're gonna miss it. And a lot of times, stepping out and experiencing God's love and God's power, it fascinates you to the point that you don't want to live in sin anymore. The number one way to overcome porn is to be fascinated by God and to be more in love with him. I'm so in love with him that just the thought of doing something contrary to what he wants, it hurts so bad. And I don't want to ever, I don't want to ever move into a position outside of his best for me. Okay? Now... I don't ever use these words, I let God down. Stop using that word. Because you don't ever let me down. I'd be a terrible, I would be a mean pastor. I'd be a mean dude. You know how many people have walked away, said bad things about me, done, gone sideways? <laughs> I mean, just pastor for a week. It's like, it happens, okay? <laughs> but the point is, is you don't get jaded and what you do is you love well, you love covers a multitude of sins. So there's not an exact formula for this. It's patterns. But it's also understanding that there's a reward for righteousness. Now, righteousness doesn't come and go because in righteousness, I'm always righteous in Christ. But there's this concept of choosing to be obedient and upright before the Lord and adhere to his word. Okay? All right. The guys were rocked to the core. I mean, a, a, a Holy Ghost thunderstorm came in their car. They turned the music off. I prophesied over the dad about his daughter, and he was shocked, shocked. The driver is like, see, bro, I told you, I told you, see, bro, I told you, man, God loves you. God, I try to tell you that. And they're like, we, where, where, where are you from? Like Rock City Church, Flower Bluff. And they're like, we're going to come to that church and they might come. You know, I mean, they were, I had my little kids and here's the deal. The best thing you can do is bring Jesus to people. And the best thing you do is speak life to them. And some people will receive it and some people won't. And the people that are ready and ripe will. And you, you get them to confess Christ. 
there and in the moment, and then you bring them into a place and a house of discipleship. Okay? Thousands of people are going to be coming to this church that you will not know. You are going to walk in. It's already happening. Like, I already don't know a lot of you. I'm just telling you. Like, there's a lot of you here I just don't know yet. I will, but I just don't really know you. And there's a lot of you that have been coming here for a while that you're walking in and saying, I don't know half these people. Get ready. That's about to quadruple. But you're the pioneers. You here today are the pioneers of something great that's about to come. I mean, it's already happening. I'm not even looking for it. It's already started. Now, I'm going to talk about this on Sunday, the power of multiplication, the multiplication mandate, and what that looks like in the context of mission. But let's look here at this. This is a great, great chapter for multiplication. Ready? So they gave heed. Uh, Let's see here. They gave heed to Philip, verse 6, hearing and seeing what? So what's beautiful about this chapter, it's the contrast. The contrast is, here comes the light in the midst of darkness, and when they heard what Philip was saying, they gave heed, and they witnessed with their ears and their eyes the miraculous. Okay? Verse 7. For here's what some of the miraculous was. It describes it. Unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed. And many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy where? Where? In the city. You see it? So when Jesus shows up, when, you're, when you have an apostolic mindset in the context of, I want to see revival come to the land, not just the church, when God shows up, there will be great joy where? Because we're for the city. So, so here comes Philip. Super, and later he's called Philip the Evangelist, by the way. He shows up with the miraculous. Now, you get the backstory in the next chapter. Or I mean, in the, in the next few verses. In that, in the same city, it starts out with what Philip did. Here comes the light in the midst of a world of darkness. And demons were coming out with a scream. Ah! I told you the story about the stripper girl that I cast the demon out of. Not at the strip bar, by the way, but that would be a cool story. That would be a good story. Behind the assembly... No, that, that might not be a good story. Uh, yeah. But we're behind the Assembly of God Church on the side of the hill under the spotlight. It's like right out of the movie The Exorcist, okay? And when the demon came out, she screamed from her throat and out of her mouth with a loud voice. It's in the Bible, everybody. I just read it to you. Okay? Now, not every demon has to go out like that, but some will go out like that because they're mad. They're mad. Okay? And notice where they came out. How much power is in your tongue and in your voice and what you say? That's where they come. They exhale, big deep breaths. But see, all you got to do is close the door. Okay? You got to close the door. We say, I'm closing the door. All right, we are going to pray tonight, I promise. See, I don't teach on a lot of this stuff like this on a Sunday morning. Some of it I do, but I get to go a little deeper in it on a Wednesday night. So, here is the contrast, the dark side. Verse 9. But, there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery. The word for sorcery, the exact word for sorcery, the exact word in the Greek, literally letter for letter, is the word magic. He practiced magic. And it says that he practiced it in the city. And he astonished, the other word for astonished in the King James Version is the word bewitched. He astonished, he so 
got them, it was so bedazzling and bewitching to them, it threw them out of their mind. It actually means to be thrown out of your right mind, not just out of position. Because you know how you get out of your position? You get out of your mind. That's why in, in the Hebraic understanding of the Old Testament, success is intellectual understanding to the point where you're in your right mind. That's why mental illness is such an attack on young adults today. Mental illness is substantially on the rise because people are spinning out inside of their heads. The world system is spinning people out. And belief systems and doctrines and meta-narratives in a postmodern world are spinning our, our young adults out. But not you young adults here. Okay? Because the Bible brings you into a right mind soundness of mind. Read Acts chapter 3, when the lame man at the gate called Beautiful got healed, and it says, when the people saw him in complete soundness, complete sound, mentally, physically, and spiritually, it's what it means to be saved. To be saved is to be made whole. Not just rescued, it's to be rescued, delivered, rescued, protected, and made whole. It's a whole process of newness and transformation and being rescued and made into something great. Okay? So, it says that he bewitched the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great. Anybody that draws attention to themselves and not Jesus, we've got an issue. If the message is about them and not Jesus, we've got a problem. If they're promoting anything but Christ, even in what sounds like it's in the name of Christ, but not promoting him himself, a lot of people claim to be Christians that aren't. A lot of people claim to be Christians that aren't. Remember that. So you know a tree by its fruit, the message and the way they live their lives and the doctrine that they adhere to, okay? It says that uh, he was claiming to be someone great to whom they all gave what? From the least to the greatest saying, this man is the great power of God. And they what? It's the heated showdown. It's the contrast. Who are you going to heed? Who are you going to heed? Okay? And they heeded him because he had, there it is again, bewitched them with his sorceries for a long time. The magic arts bewitched the people and caused them to believe that this guy is supernatural and then he laid claim to be someone great, and then they labeled him a Christian. Okay, maybe not a Christian, but the great power of God. You got to know your Bible, everybody. So notice that Philip, so well, let me just fit, read this a little bit longer, and I'm going to give you a couple more scriptures. It says, uh, verse 12, but when they believed Philip, but when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning what? Learn the things of the kingdom of God. And the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. And then Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing what? Seeing the super normal natural. Guys, this is, this is what Jesus did. Laying hands on the sick, casting out demons, praying supernatural things, prophesying, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, things that are not of this world, that only Jesus can do through you, that logic and intellect can't explain. It's the Jesus, the great wisdom of God, okay? And so I love this because Simon, not only do the people see what Philip's doing and choose to leave Simon, but Simon chooses to leave for a moment anyway, because later it goes on, he asked to buy the gift of the Holy Spirit because why would Simon ask to buy the gift of the Holy Spirit? Well, the main reason is because his whole life he was a fortune teller. He used his gift to make money. Now he's out of a job. But you can't buy what Jesus provides. You, it'll cost you something, but not money. It costs you your life. And we lay our lives down, Right? And so the power of God was so much greater than the false narrative. So I don't have to go picket the psychic's house on Everhart. 
that we all drive by all the time. Y'all know right where I'm talking about, too. So I got a mandate for you. Now, if you went there, you need to repent and understand it's not the real thing. I'm not even beating you up about it. Listen, people don't know. Why would I be angry? I'm more angry at the devil, not even the psychic lady there. She just needs Jesus. So when I drive by, now I, I'm, I can't tell you that I don't fantasize about marching in there and preaching the gospel to her. I have many times thought how I would do that. First of all, do not ever go by yourself, and you better know that Jesus told you to do it, all right? Here's another great thing. This is the other thing I really wanted to show you in this showdown. Philip remained in position and true to who he was and doing what he was called to do, not getting sidetracked by the spiritual warfare narrative of the sorcerer. So the whole city got flipped because he did what Jesus told him to do, and he stayed in the lane of the promise, not getting sidetracked by the demonic spiritual wickedness. I already know that this church is a target and that I'm going to be a target, but I also know who I am, my position, and the lordship of Christ. And I also have learned to walk upright before Christ in my life and to trust him and to get a lot of people like you and great leaders that pray and intercede. We pray, we intercede, we trust. And it doesn't mean that we don't engage in spiritual warfare, but it means we do it from a confident position of authority. And it means that Jesus already won and that they're defeated. So let's just, let's just cast out some demons. Because look, notice this. What was, Paul, what was Philip doing? Casting out demons. Not just being a nice Christian. He was aggressive. The kingdom of God is aggressive. I was aggressive with those guys on that beach the other night. With no, not even a thought. I had no thought that they could have a gun and shoot me. You know why? Because in that moment, I knew what Jesus was saying, and they had their little girl, and I had my two little kids, and I knew that what I was about to say to that guy was going to transform him and rock his life. And what the devil always looks for is fear instead of authority and power. I got you guys fired up tonight? It's super normal, natural. Okay, can I show you guys a couple more quick scriptures? Uh, Nicole and Francisco, you're going to love this, which I know you already are. They, these are like our, you know, not our house evangelists, but culture evangelical setters. They're setting the tone and the culture in so many ways for evangelism in this house, and I'm proud of you guys. Turn to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. See, this is why we need the Firestorm School of Ministry, because I don't have enough time to teach you. And I love to teach. Can you tell that I love to teach? I like to just really break the word down and teach you guys. Um, just turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4 real quick. Verse 1. Can you, somebody get me a bottle of water? I charge you. I'm charging you. I'm commanding you. I'm not even, it's not even a negotiable discussion. I'm charging you to do something. Before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, pause. The next scripture is going to tell you to preach the word at all times. But I want you to notice how, what he said before he said that. This is the understanding of how serious of a time that we live in. People's lives are at stake. Death and hell are at stake. And tag, you're it. This is an eternal judgmental phrase of understanding the seriousness of the moment with which we live in. It's not playtime, people. Suicides, abortions, human trafficking gang violence, crazy stuff's happening all the time. Now, I'm excited. It's crazy, but I got the power. Oh, you know you want to sing it. You know you want to sing it. 
pull some MC Hammer on you right now. It's Hammer time. Oh, wait, they didn't sing that. Oh, Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Thank you. Jeremy is my go-to 80s guy. I mean, he's got it going on. While Hammer Time and I've got the power, I'm just kind of blending the two is what I'm doing. Verse 2. Preach the word and be ready. Everybody say, be ready. When it's the most opportunistic time and when it's not opportunistic. Okay? When it's not an opportune time, this is just not, it's not convenient for me. This is so inconvenient. I do not want to tell you about Jesus right now, but I'm going to. That's what I'm trying to help you understand. I am so not in season right now. You just don't even understand how, what I'm going through in my life. I'm so overloaded, so tired. I've been working nonstop. I'm tapped out, zapped out, meetings nonstop, all kinds of stuff. I do not right now want to talk to you about Jesus. Don't even ask me. But I'm going to. That's out of season. I'm in a hurry. I'm late. I got a meeting to catch, and my wife is not happy. And Jesus says, tell that person what I see. You can never use the excuse of it's not my time and I'm out of season. Jesus tried to pull it on his mama, and it didn't work. I never said that before. But it's true. Right? Jesus' mama says, turn this water into wine. They've run out of wine. And he says, woman, what do you have to do? It is not my time. It's not my season. And guess what he does? He turns the water to wine. Because mama always wins, man. Mama always wins. Remember that. That's the lesson, the moral story. No. You better listen to your mama. Now, that was funny right there. That was really funny. Your life is not your own. And life is much more than your clothes, your work, your job, your stuff, your schedules. And it doesn't mean that those things aren't important. And I don't neglect my family to just preach the gospel. Jesus has got it covered. Jesus has your back. And you'll never, ever, ever, ever lose or go wrong if you do what he tells you to do. Ever. Ever. Not ever. Okay? So we're to preach the word, which means that you need to know the word so that you can pull the scripture back up. Look at these things. I am pretty confident I could probably convince anybody to get born again. I think that way. Just give me a shot. If they really want to hear and they want to really talk, I think I could debate somebody really, 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 really well. Because I feel like I know a lot of scripture and God's heart beats so well that no matter what they try to pull on me, crazy weird stuff from the Old Testament, incest, infallible, scriptures that don't line up with each other, I've heard it all. I've had more Bible ping pong matches that I've won than I can tell you. Seriously, they quote a scripture, you quote a scripture, they quote a scripture. Jehovah Witnesses can be the most difficult of them all. <laughs> a lot of you are like, I know what you're talking about, Pastor. Now, I love them just like anybody else, okay? Seriously. Convince. You can't convince unless you're convinced. That was so not deep, but it sounded so good, right? I mean, it was deep in a sense, like, seriously, I can't convince you if I'm not really convinced. Like, I got one of the greatest compliments I get as a pastor, really, I'm grateful for this one compliment, is they, 
can sense my in genuineness and sincerity, okay? Because I'm really not in it for the title or the money, and I really care for you, okay? And so people are convinced when they know that you care. What we don't need is a bunch of religious robots just going out because it's their duty. I meet those people all the time, and I'm turned off in about a whole second. What I want is to know that that person on the other side that's preaching to me is sincere, integrous, and they really have love inside of their heart. And if somebody, I can tell pretty quick, usually, and I give people chances, but I can, can, you can convince me when I know that you really love and care. Rebuke is a tough word, but it's what spiritual mamas and papas do. Right? Had a great meeting today with Ed. It was powerful. It was a, it was a really joyous time that he and I had together. And he's humble and he listened and he was sincere and it was, it was a good, good conversation. And there were some tough things we talked about, but it was all productive and it was fruitful and there was no shame in it because real mamas and papas that have love don't say anything to put shame on you. No one in this room right now should feel shame, not one person. A lot of the people that get up and walk out about 10 minutes, 15, 20 minutes into my preaching are battling so much shame that they feel just can't even stay in here. A lot of people have a hard time walking in. I hear stories all the time. I came to the church, sat in the parking lot, and just couldn't come in. Guys, that's such a deceptive thing of the enemy. Because there's life, and there's love, and there's joy, and there's power, and we're becoming something beautiful. So convince, rebuke, means to have a hard conversation, and it means, in a sense, to be corrected. And you have to be able to receive correction. Every one of us has to be able to receive correction, Okay? Build up, exhort is the, same, is the same word for building up that prophecy builds your life. Exhortation is a building word that puts things into position and into place. And you're to do all that with this one word that is so difficult for so many people. It's the other word for patience. Lots of patience, man. You got to have lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and never end and never end. Patience, 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 patience. And when people do things that you, they shouldn't do and you didn't think and they get mad at you and they don't listen to you and you were doing all the right things and it wasn't seeming to work, more patience and patience and patience and patience and patience. And when somebody here does things that I don't think they should do or makes decisions that I, that I could have preached one message one way and the next week they do it completely opposite, guess what I do? I love them just the same because no, people are gonna do what people wanna do sometimes and they don't always do the things that you think they should do, but you still love them just the same so that they always know you were there so that if they did make a mistake or they fell into a trap, you can be the one that comes to rescue them. And we stop taking everything so personal. Stop taking everything so personal. Stop taking this thing so serious. It's serious, but we just are so ate up with this church thing. This has got to be joyous and fun and full of life and power. It's family. I don't run my family like a business and get all twisted when my kids are in meltdown mode because they didn't get a nap when they should have gotten a nap and didn't they know better that they should have napped and what's the matter with them? They didn't eat when they wanted to, but now they want to eat right before bed. This is completely wrong and I'm going to reprimand them for that. No, it's family and it's messy, but it's beautiful. <laughs> Do you understand? Come on guys, come and worship. Let's pray together. Let's love Jesus together. Let's break bread together. Let's do it corporately and privately. Okay? Oh, man, I, w could, I think I'm going to need to do a Dan Muller 52-week teaching. That's what I'm going to do. I think January, I'm going to go for a one whole year. I'm going to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Dan Muller and do 52 weeks of teaching.
If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, Dan, if you haven't listened to Dan Muller's 52-week teaching, start tonight. Well, not tonight. You've, you already got a lot of words. Start tomorrow. <laughs> Look, it's on podcast. Just type in Dan Muller 52-week teaching, something like that. He did it out of school, and it's awesome, and it's, man, it's just awesome, okay? So I went long. Can I give you one last scripture and then pray for you? You know, I, I always think that I'm going to come in on a super normal natural night, cast out demons, prophesy, and lay hands on the sick. And I, a lot of times lately, it's been going long, and I haven't been able to do that. The knowledge and understanding and wisdom that you can get from this, these messages can set you free and heal your life as much as the ministry time. But we need both. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 9. God has a promise in front of you. The world system has a pattern that it wants you to conform to. But God wants you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, not succumb to the patterns of this world. Every single person in this room battles patterns of the world. Hence, we, tra are, we become transformed by renewing our mind every day. In this scripture, Moses says, the land that you're about to go to, that who is giving it to you, by the way? You shall not learn to follow the abominations of those nations. Okay, so the word nations means the foreigners, the Gentiles, and in the kingdom perspective, be all those people that are not born again. That's how I'll sum it up for you today. All most of the stuff we see on TV and entertainment in Hollywood, and it doesn't mean I don't watch some of that stuff, but I'm telling you there's a, there's a pattern and a conforming that it wants you to follow. And much of it, if not most of it, or all of it, in fact, John goes so far to say to be carnally minded is enmity or friendship with the world is hatred towards God. Now, that doesn't mean I live like a spiritual hermit and become a monk who's really brewing beer in Belgium. <laughs> so that might be fun. I'm in isolation while I brew beer. What's the guy's name from Robin Hood? Friar uh, Tuck. In the name of Jesus, I'm going to be a beer brewer. No. Listen, you are in the world, but not of it, okay? You're in the world, but not of it. So we're careful, we're cautious, and I love Dan Moeller's word. He says, I don't watch anything that Jesus had to die for. All right. I didn't say it, but it's still really good. Next verse. Look at the scripture. So God is purifying this church, and from the leadership conference that we had, the Activate conference that we had, you wouldn't believe the stuff that was turned in in this church. I'm talking like lots of witchcraft and sorcery materials. Ouija boards, crazy. I got pictures. One day I'll show you the pictures. I haven't been released to show them to you yet. But it's crazy what was turned in out of this church. This church. The super spiritual fiery church. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't make any assumptions. You just got to learn. People got to learn, okay? And so if it has anything related to witchcraft, saying omens, or sorcery, he doesn't want any of those things to be found in your life, which is what the nations of the world deem as acceptable. Mm -hmm. But you're part of the kingdom. Say, I'm part of the kingdom. Or one who conjures spells. So if it's spell conjuring, medium, spiritist, John Dawson, the Long Island medium, none of that stuff is okay. Repent if you've been watching that stuff. All the paranormal activity stuff, it's all such a ploy. It's all just demons communicating to these people that have very real gifts from God. They're anointed. If anything, pray for John Dawson and the Long Island medium to get born again. And instead of fortune telling, become four tellers, prophetic voices for the kingdom of God. So I don't want any of you to be doing any of this stuff. 
And if you want to be like Philip and you want to walk in the supernormal natural and you want to see the power, because right now I could, we could go there, but I stand a better test to train you. Now, at some point, if you, this church will be doing it by example and you'll see it, okay? But I don't want it to be a show and I don't want to do it, those things, until we as a church step into more of the righteousness that God has for us. And I already do it all the time in my life. Anybody that's a Christian lives a militant lifestyle. You have to live a militant lifestyle. Remember this phrase, if you're not fighting, you've already been captured. If you're not fighting, you've already been captured. Let's all stand.